0: In today's episode, Dr. Lori Esposito-Murray sits down with Tamara Lundgren, the Chairman, President and CEO of Schnitzer Steel Industries. Laurie, over to you. I am Lori Esposito-Murray, President of the Committee for Economic Development, the Public Policy Center of the Conference Board. In today's conversation, we will discuss leadership in challenging times where we feature the outstanding business leaders who are recipients of CED's Distinguished Leadership Awards for corporate citizenship and business stewardship. This year, we're paying special tribute to business leaders and their company teams who have helped our nation navigate the many challenges before us, including the pandemic and economic recovery that provides equal opportunity for all Americans, building a more civil and just society and upholding a rules-based international order. These are all key values underpinning CED's mission. And today, I have the privilege of speaking with our 2023 honoree, Tamara Lundgren, who is Chairman, President, and Chief Executive Officer of Citrus Steel Industries. SSI is a global leader in sustainable metals production and one of the largest publicly traded manufacturers and exporters of recycled metals. Under Tamara's leadership, the company has grown from a regional Pacific Northwest company to a global supplier of recycled metal products and services. And if there was ever a time in the history uh, of of commerce uh, in our country for recycled sustainable products, uh, this is it, and we have Tamara Lundgren with us today. She's leading a company whose core values are sustainability, safety, and integrity. And she sees the success as built on the trust of all of its stakeholders. For the ninth consecutive year in a row, SSI has been recognized as one of the world's most ethical companies by Ethisphere Institute. And this year, Schnitzer Steel has been named the world's most sustainable corporation of 2023 on the Corporate Knights 2023 Global 100 Index. Only one in four manufacturing leaders are women, according to the Commerce Department. And so it's truly a privilege to welcome you, Tamara.
1: Congratulations and thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Lori. I'm absolutely delighted to join you. And there are so many extraordinary leaders who the CED has honored with this award. And I'm I'm just humbled by the opportunity to say thank you. And I'm tremendously grateful to my team and my board who've contributed so much to our success as a company. Well, it's truly
0: our privilege and my first question to you, Tamara, is Snitra Steel, an over 100-year-old company, is now at the nexus of this new economy. Brilliant. So can we start with you sharing SSI's history and what you are doing today that has led to this success where a legacy brand uh, in a sector that has dramatically changed over the past century uh, has really
1: now leading globally on these, in this very important area? I'd be delighted to. So Schnitzer is a company that was founded with the purpose of recycling metals. Fundamentally back in 1906, Sam Schnitzer, an immigrant to the US, began a company that was based on the inherent value of recycling. You could say that Sam saw value where others saw waste, and we're still operating with that same vision, clearly at a different scale and with much more advanced technology. And today, today we call it urban mining, which is actually much better descriptive than the Alaska Junk Company, which was the company's original name. Um, I often I often say that we've been about sustainability before it was a word, and it truly is at the core of, of what we do, and it has been for, for over a century. If I get to a few examples in terms of the specifics of what we do, What many people don't know is that steel is the most recycled commodity in the world. There is more steel recycled annually than plastics, glass, paper, and wood combined. And in fact, 70% of the steel made in the U.S. is made with electric arc furnace technology that uses recycled metals as its primary feedstock rather than version iron ore. in addition to what, it, to what many people don't know is that many people aren't aware that low carbon technologies, such as electric vehicles, solar, wind, low carbon te- technologies, many of them are much more metal intensive than the technologies that they're replacing. So there's more metal in an electric vehicle than there is in a gas powered vehicle. But as a result of decades of global underinvestment in mining and metal technologies, the world has a structural shortage of the metals that we need to affect the transition to a low carbon global economy. And that's where we come in, that's where Schnitzer comes in. So increasing the use of recycled metals can alleviate, it cannot yet eliminate, but it can alleviate the structural shortage of the critical minerals, or sorry, the critical metals that we have while at the same time significantly reducing the environmental impact, the carbon footprint of manufacturing products that use metals like steel, copper, and aluminum. So, so you're not only helping sustainability currently, but
0: you're a very important piece of the, of the future transition to, to uh, uh, clean
1: energy. With, without question, to give you a real life example, using a ton of recycled steel or copper or aluminum instead of the corresponding amount of A virgin material in the manufacturing process, reduces CO2 emissions by more than half. It is about uh, uh, 60% less for steel, it's about 65% less for copper, and it's almost 90% less for aluminum. And we're not just focused on selling the product, the recycled steel, copper, aluminum products, and other metals that we work with as well. We're not just focused on selling those to mills and smelters in North America and around the world, and we sell a lot. We're one of the largest um, uh, processors of recycled metals, and we export to 20 to 25 countries every year. But we also are providing recycles, recycling services and solutions to large industrials, large manufacturers, and retail companies who are focused on wanting to reduce their carbon in- input or imprint. Um, they want to reduce the amount of material goes, going to landfills, and they want to be able to track that. And and last year, we also launched a new product called a, a net zero carbon emissions finished steel product for things like rebar and other long products called green steel, GRN for green, recyclable, and necessary. And our green steel branded products, we anticipate will be in high demand in connection with the upcoming infrastructure projects, particularly under the Buy Clean Directive of the Biden administration. So there's a lot going on with us, and, um, and as I said before, um, our work has never been more relevant than it is today, uh, clearly, and, and uh, really uh, exciting. Uh, in terms
0: of a legacy manufacturing company, really at the at the precipice of the of the new economy and getting us to where we need to be as a global uh, economy. So, uh, Tamra, you you were elected president and CEO in two thousand and eight, and that two thousand and eight oh, is a is a year that yeah. that will stand in infamy as as the Great yeah. Recession, a very challenging time uh, in the economy, and and you've led uh, from that. SSI through that disruption and other major disruptions over the past several years, uh, which don't seem to be ending. They just continue and and um, uh, add add more dimensions of challenges. And so the question is how do you lead through disruption and what are the, what how do you
1: plan for the unpredictable? So that's a, a great question and a great topic. So I will say that as a company whose core business is based on the commodity metal markets, cyclicality and unpredictability are part of our DNA. And macro disruptions, macroeconomic disruptions occur with regularity. Um, obviously, there are big points of, of uh, bottoms and tops. You know, 08 was one. Um, the uh, Section 232 tariffs were, were probably a top in terms, of, in terms of positive disruption. But we have a couple of sayings. And um, and one of which I think is based on uh, on something that Congresswoman Pat Schroeder originally said, which is we don't wring our hands, we roll up our sleeves, and, and we just get at it, and um, and that's what you've got to do to be to to, to to be a part of the commodity markets, and and so it, it does give you it does give you good backing, good foundation in terms of dealing with with uh, with large macroeconomic. Uh, disruptions, but there are probably three principles that I focus on and that I follow and that um, that I share with with our teams. Um, one is communicate, and I will say that the longer that I've been in the CEO seat, the more channels of communication I've opened up, which is kind of reverse of what I think most people think with respect to um, more tenured um, more tenured leaders. This was probably a, a silver lining from the pandemic, and um, but it continues today. So in addition to things like uh, quarterly town halls, which we webcast, we simultaneously translate into Spanish and, and, and we hold alongside um, our earnings calls. I hold monthly CEO office hours virtually. So anybody in the company can call in and spend all or part of an hour with me in an unscripted, no agenda session, a Zoom session. And I also send weekly messages. And this I started at the beginning of the pandemic, but it, it now is a, um, it's now a required part of our, our culture. I send a weekly message every Sunday to all of our employees. My husband refers to it, and I think probably a few people in the company do as well. Uh, they refer to it as my Sunday sermon. And um, and and it, it it just has become very, very apparent to me that communication, through different channels, and at all levels of an organization during times of disruption is very valuable. And since that cadence is so core to our markets, it continue it, it is part of, of what we do on an ongoing basis. I think the second principle that that we follow and that I follow for navigating through disruption is to be and you've heard these terms before by by many corporate leaders, I'm sure, to be flexible and agile. But for us, what that means is learning how to feel comfortable with change, how to feel comfortable about change. and And that is really part of our culture. Change is what enables innovation. Change is what enables efficiencies. Change is what enables adjustments and enables you to meet evolving demands of customers. So it actually goes beyond disruption, it's critical. Um, it's a critical skill and, uh, and confidence level to have in disruptive um, environments. But learning how to feel comfortable with change, how to embrace it, allows you to grow. And I think the third principle that we follow and um, that has proven to be very helpful is constancy. You have to be there in in good times and in bad for all your people and for all your stakeholders. And you have to have a strategy that enables you to be nimble, that enables you to to stay on track, if you will, with your North Star and enables you to navigate through through storms. And if you can if you can find ways to enjoy the journey, um then that helps to create the confidence and the collaboration and actually the resilience that underpin um the ability to manage through challenging times. That's really interesting. and And uh, just a point about
0: change, which I find really fascinating in your description of it, it actually gets you ahead of disruption. If you're right. already, you're if you're changing and and adapting to change, you you actually get ahead of the curve in terms of disruption. Uh, really interesting. Three major points, uh, and it, it what's happening at SSI is is extremely exciting and innovative, um, and it really is reflecting also what's happening uh, in manufacturing. I mean, the, overall, this has been referred to as a manufacturing renaissance, and and uh, there's a lot of excitement in terms of um, uh, you know w- what's actually going to happen uh, here in the United States. Uh, during this renaissance, but you're dealing with uh, really significant headwinds. You know, Inflation, recession, financial uh, banking system stability, supply chain challenges. And so looking at that whole spectrum, uh, what are you most worried about? Uh, and even most importantly, uh, in such an innovative sector, what are you most optimistic about?
1: Well, let me start with what I'm most optimistic about, um, because I might not stop on the on the on the worry side. So, what am I most optimistic about? So, the long term outlook for recycled metals, I'm very excited about. The structural demand for our product is a sustainable lowercase s, a sustainable trend. And you know, as we were just talking about, metals recycling is a foundational pillar for global decarbonization. And we know. That it is an important strategic solution for companies and governments focused on carbon reduction. And for our company that has been a below the radar screen, has been in a below the radar screen industry, this is a very, very exciting time for us. and And we see expansions, you know beyond just the product side. The services side um, is also um is also growing. i I held an earnings call um, a couple weeks ago, early April and during that call, we announced the launch of our trademark uh, 3PR business line. So 3PR stands for third-party recycling, and it's our take on 3PL, uh, which is third-party logistics. It's a very well-known term and a very well-known activity, which has supported supply chain efficiencies for industrials, manufacturers, and retailers for, for decades. So just as 3PL is pl is an outsourcing of the logistics and distribution functions to improve efficiency and cost. 3PR involves activities where Schlitzer is providing a supply chain solution for customers that enables uh, greater recycling rates, higher value recovery, um, improved uh, carbon footprint, uh, lower material, lower um, uh, or reductions in materials going to landfill, and, um and enhance sustainability reporting so all of these things you know go back to being so relevant as a company with roots in the old economy to be so relevant in the new low carbon economy makes me very optimistic um uh what am I most pessimistic about let's let's not dig too deep in here but i'll 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 highlight a couple of things polarization that that Causes me a lot of worry. The intolerance of compromise um, is 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 really not um, not a not a positive environment from my perspective. Um, I worry about overregulation, and and I can see some of that creeping into into sustainability, and we could talk about that if you'd like. And and civil civil discourse. Um, I think that there is a need for higher levels of EQ. As generative AI begins to supplement IQ, um, so I, I think all of these things are related, and um, and they worry me. Uh, taking you back
0: to your optimistic, sustainability, oh, yeah. your I'm core sure. value, uh, your core goal. So how how did just to uh, dive a little deeper? How are you achieving success in that? You have really outstanding goals, how are you achieving that success?
1: So uh, so 10 years ago, uh, we developed a sustainability framework based on three pillars, on people, planet, and profit. You'll, you'll notice a fair amount of alliteration, safety, sustainability, and integrity, and people, planet, and, and profit. So, So when we look through this lens of people, planet, and profit, you can see that sustainable companies are ones who have consistently invested in their employees, in their communities, in their environments, and and have not have not taken their eye off being consistently profitable. So, so many businesses, um, you know, and there are many businesses that that we see today um, uh, in the in the public markets who've been around for over 100 years, some of them 200 years. They've been involved in sustainability for a very long time. so while it may be a relatively new word or new use of the word, um, it's core to um, to to long-term existence. So what do we do? So we create multi-year goals in support of each one of these pillars so so for for people, for example, it includes things like safety metrics, volunteer hours committed to our communities, increasing participation in our retirement benefits programs, increasing training for our employees, building our own pipeline of new employees through initiatives like Schnitzer Academy. Um, uh, for, for Planet, it includes maintaining our 100% net carbon-free electricity use across all of our operations. Um, it fo- you know, like, uh, One of our goals is reducing our greenhouse gas emissions at our recycling operations by 25% versus our baseline year, which was 2019. And for profitability, we've included a margin target that is based on investment in advanced metal recovery technologies that we're deploying at all of our major shredding facilities that allow us to extract more metal from the material we process and thereby have more material to offer to the market and also reduce material that would otherwise go to landfill. So so those are examples of what we do but across our employee base there is a great deal of pride and understanding regarding how far we've come and the fact that there there is a lot more for us still to to cover and there's i I believe truly a shared commitment to moving forward on it and and I make a point in that weekly Sunday sermon that I was mentioning before, I make a point in my weekly messages to highlight not just recognitions and awards that we receive, but to highlight the actions of individuals around the company who are furthering our sustainability goals, whether they're replacing equipment, for example, from diesel to electric or community outreach through things like Schifzer Academy, uh, which is a, a program where we partner with vocational schools and high schools to introduce students to what we, what we do. So we provide the resources for the curriculum. We don't teach it, but we provide the resources. And, and after going through the program successfully, students can come to work for us. And, um, and in, if they work um, uh, for us um, uh, over a period of time, we pay back their, their loans, So their student loans. So, you know, and, and we work with law enforcement in reducing metal theft and melting down guns that come off the streets. And and so there, there are a variety of day-to-day real-life examples of what we do that support those sustainability goals. And by keeping that front and center every day, we, we really provide ways for people to identify uh, with sustainability and just view it as part of... Of what our company does and, and our culture. and And part of that your culture that is so key to
0: your success is diversity and inclusion. And if you could share with us, how has uh, diversity and inclusion really helped um, SSI innovate
1: and grow? So we are a company. I, I said it was it was founded a long time ago by an Im- immigrant uh, to the u s or a company that's been, that's been built on a culture and by a workforce that has always been broad-based. And we believe and we articulate today that excellence, however you define it, whether it's innovation, productivity, engagement, it, whatever metric you use to define excellence, we, we believe it's not sustainable if you don't have a culture based on respect, on fairness, on equal opportunity and when characteristics such as race gender sexual identity religion and and other characteristics like that do not define talent. And so what we're what we're moving to and what I have begun to regularly articulate is that embedded in our core values of sustainability and integrity is a recognition that diversity and inclusion are values. They are not just metrics. And, and I think that's been a very important shift for us. That's really
0: interesting and, and so important. You, you are a role model. Uh, you're a role model uh, in the, as, as a business leader. You're a role model as a, a uh, female leader in the manufacturing sector. So who are your most important leadership role models that uh, helped shape your
1: values? So, there's another one where we probably don't have a time for a, a full answer uh, to to uh, to that question. So, when I think about what the driving forces have been for um for the development and and uh, of of my own values, I think that they're they're really a function of of my faith, my family, my friendships. and um, I could never um. I could never overestimate um, and could never replace the positive impact that my parents had on my life growing up, but also the the teachings from so many talented or the learnings I've had, if you will, from so many talented teachers that um, I've been blessed to have throughout my school life, throughout college, throughout grad school. Um, I, I think that their impact um, on me as as role models, really, almost as thought models. So, you know, really as thought models. Um, I think that that has been very impactful to me in terms of my value creation and also and also my principles as a leader. and then and then i've I you know, I've had a number of careers. I started my career as a lawyer. I spent a lot of years as an investment banker and 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 then I moved into industry. So I've had a variety of bosses. Um, over the course of my career. And I'm immensely grateful for what each each one of them has taught me and, and how they've inspired me. Well, Tara, it is truly, truly our privilege
0: to be recognizing you and the team at Snitch of Steel for your innovation, your leadership, your values, uh, all of which are so fundamental to CED's mission. And if I can come back to what you're most worried about in terms of civil discourse and polarization, I also want to sincerely thank you for your leadership as CED, because as you know, those are the two key main areas that we are really working hard uh, with our trustees to try and bridge the divide and provide bipartisan solutions. And and uh, your leadership there is is so critical. So completely. Our privilege and honor to be recognizing you this year, and thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Lori.
1: You have been listening to CEO Perspectives, a podcast by the Conference Board.